Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of Pod Strickland. I'm your host, Shwini Poo, and this is episode 161. Uh, Prez is here. Prez, what's up? Yo, yo, yo. Uh, yep, yeah, we are here to discuss, I think that was like the most lifeless, white flag-waving loss I've watched uh, in a long time. Um, but before we get started, I have a couple announcements to make. Uh the Strickland does have a Patreon. You, you can subscribe to that at patreon.com slash the Strickland. Uh, there are multiple tiers to subscribe to. If you subscribe to the $6 tier, you get access to this podcast here, which I do every Friday with Prez. Also, you get access to the mail.bag, which I do every other week with Jeremy and or Drew. Uh, furthermore, you get access to the Strickland Discord, where we talk about the Knicks, basketball, the Sopranos, Fucking anything you can think about. We talk about it in there. Uh, succession. There you go. Um, we talk about it in there. So if you want to join that conversation, definitely subscribe. Uh, furthermore, we have a $9 tier, which I would highly recommend you rec- you subscribe to. That comes with, uh, if you want to hear me yell on another podcast, you can do that on there. Uh, you get access to the Stricken Roll, which is a solo podcast I host. But more importantly, you get access to Jack Hunley and Matthew Miranda's weekly articles Uh which are excellent. Two of the best writers in all of basketball, in all of writing, in the entire world. I feel comfortable saying that. No hyperbole. Uh, but also, there are further tiers. $15, $30, $50, and even a $100 tier. They all come with additional benefits, including discounts on merchandise, the ability to even come on a podcast, and tell me how much of a fucking idiot I am. Uh, but whether you subscribe or not, we thank you for your support. Like, as unacceptable as the effort was of the starters, in particular, I mean, this has been an issue with that fucking shitty-ass piece of shit lineup for all season. Um, But, you know, it wasn't good to start the game, but I thought, I mean, it wasn't good to start the game, but they weren't just mailing it in. They just sucked. They were just slow, Um, which has been a problem because that's what that lineup is. It's slow. but that third quarter was, I don't even know what to say about that because they were terrible. At the same time, Tibbs just let them, I mean, it was a four-point game at halftime. Okay, so it's not like, however you want to feel about the Knicks' performance in the first half, it's a four-point game at halftime. And Tibbs just let it, he just watched it get away from them and watched them lifelessly go through the motions on offense. Uh, I don't even remember when he brought in the bench. I want to say, I mean, his first sub was Todd, which I, I don't know what he's doing with the center minutes lately, by the way, but that entire rotation is bizarre. Um, but, I mean, it was like a 20-point game before he finally made subs, I think. Um, minus Todd for Mitch, which was the one sub that made 
absolutely no sense. Uh, I don't even know. I honestly don't know what I just watched. I mean, so we knew. It's funny. We knew when Tibbs was hired, right? Like there's the good of Tibbs and the bad of Tibbs. And last year was a situation that mitigated his two biggest weaknesses, which is player evaluation and trying to do what he wants to do and being inflexible considering his personnel. And it, Kind of, I, I wouldn't say like the stars aligned because that makes it sound too rare, but like him in the front office had a plan and it worked thanks to Julius Randle largely, but it worked. And what we see this year is just him trying to coach the team he wants instead of the team he has. And Julius is a perfect example of that because he's treating Julius as if he's a guy who will get going to star mode any minute now, who you can dependably rely on, um, you know, closer mentality, right? Like, oh, like, shooter shoot. We heard Kobe and Ray and Clay and all these guys say the same thing. Like, I can miss 100. I'm going to get a good shot, and I'm going to be confident it's going to go in on the next one. Like, he thinks Julius is that kind of player, and he want, he probably wishes Julius was and that Julius kind of player. Julius probably was that type of player last year. He was that. No, that's exactly what I'm saying. He was that kind of player last year, but he's not. He's not. He's not good at right now. He's not good at any shot outside of layups, really. And I, he I has no fucking plan. He doesn't have a plan. He doesn't have a plan because he's just not good. Like he doesn't have a plan for the same reason that if I go play with a bunch of D1 dudes. I'm not going to have a much of a plan. And you tell me to like do things other than just like spot up and hustle. Like I'm not going to have a plan. Like you can't, you can't have a plan if you can't do anything. He, he can't do anything right now. He can pass a little bit, but that's usually, I mean, like it, he'll have good passing stretches. He had a pretty good passing stretch in the first half, but it'll often be offset at least partially with turnovers. And then in terms of his actual scoring, like he can't do anything. So, like what what plan is is he supposed to have like i know a lot of people on nick's twitter want him to just attack the rim and he can do that and it helps mitigate things a little bit but like teams are disrespecting him completely right now like the pelicans were not paying attention to him unless he was inside the free throw line um they were paying attention to his passing um but like as a scorer they didn't care so like what what are you going to do with that so like the answer is yeah, like there's definitely tip things Tibbs can do to to help get him going, but like anyway, my my point is Julius is not that kind of guy right now, and Tibbs is treating him as if he is instead of treating him like you would treat most very talented but wildly inconsistent young up and coming players, which is encouraging their strengths but also giving them some accountability. You give them a leash, but you also give them accountability. You don't do too much of one or the other. And the contrast to that is what he's doing, how he's handling the youngsters, really, aside from RJ, because he's he's treating them as if, like, how he would treat the youngsters if the starters and the, and the vets were 
the guys he thinks they were. Does that make sense? Like if we had, if the vets and those guys were playing how quote unquote, like, they're supposed to play, then you'd be like, all right, well, how, of course, so, of course these guys can't play. I mean, I agree with all that, but it's like, that's not coaching. That's like, he's not coaching. Like he didn't coach today. What he did no, tonight is not no. coaching. That's no. just bullshit. That's like, I can do that. I can sit on the fucking bench, have my fucking thumb up my ass, uh, yell into my fucking, you know, mask, uh, scream a few times about some bullshit call, call a timeout every five fucking minutes to, I don't know, probably reinsert my thumb up my ass again. Uh, and then, you know, fucking not call a play, not make a sub, not do anything. And just like that third quarter. Yeah, if I, if I if I wasn't clear, like I I was getting into like the psychology and, no, and like, I, but, I get it. this is bad coaching. Like the the TLDR of what I said for like five minutes is he's been a super shitty coach. Like yeah, look, full like stop. I, <laughs> I and I and I actually look, I have sympathy for the fact that Julie, like you have a plan of a team. The the plan is usually built around like you, the guy was all NBA most improved last year. Okay, even if you expected regression. You would be expecting him to be like what he was in New Orleans or something like that. You know, like you would not be expecting him to. No, we're in we're in uncharted waters. New Orleans yeah. Julius is out the window because that was a big man. This is like, this is a whole nother. This is obviously more than just just normal regression. But he, this is he like has to, <laughs> he has to like he has to rein Julius back in, but do it. Like, hey, you're still my guy, but this is the three things we want you to do tonight. That's it. We want you to or, do or there's there's a there's a zillion ways you could do it. You could do it like how a lot of coaches treat their uh their up and coming stars. Like take take your all NBA guys who are like John Morant, Luca, take those guys out of the window, like out of the picture for a second. Think about like other up and coming guys. Like, I don't know, just pick like Darius Garland or OG Ananobi or like Guys who are solid and fine and wonderful, but not all NBA all stars. Like these guys are great, but they're not so great that like if the energy and the and the buckets and the defense needs to come from somewhere else, the coach will ignore that. Like there's been plenty of times where Nick Nurse is like, "Yo, OG and Fred, or not really Fred because he's so consistent, but like OG." Or Scotty, like this well, ain't Fred's it. Energy is consistent. His shooting yeah. is all over the place. It's actually funny. Like it's fun. That's why. That's why. Like the whole quickly stuff is so funny to me because I'm just like, I'd rather like. I think inconsistency is inherent in his game, but like, what you want him to do is just shoot a lot and shoot often and never lose confidence in that because, like, it's like the Van Vliet thing, right? Like eventually, like he shot three of eighteen or something yesterday. He was terrible from the field, but like you still want him shooting because you're like, you know that it's just a matter of when is like, it's going to start falling, right? It's like, I'm not saying quickly is as good a shooter as Van Vliet. He's definitely not off the dribble right now, but you get the point I make. Anyway, sorry, go ahead. Yeah, no, no, it's, it's, it's like it's, the Cavs are a better example than the Raptors. So like Darius Garland, if you go back to earlier in the season when they were still, I mean, they're killing now, but they were killing earlier in the season when they had Ricky. And even before that, when they had Colin, like Darius could be chefing, but if Ricky had it going and and Ricky was doing his thing, like they would let Ricky cook and Darius would stay on the bench. And it's not some fucking slight to Darius's manhood. Darius is an extremely good player, and but he doesn't have he you know he's not Chris Paul who's like no matter what your bench guard is doing, no matter how much campaign is cooking, like it's Chris Paul time when it's Chris Paul time. 
right? Like this isn't, this isn't that. And Julius, I mean, not Julius, Tibbs thinks it's that. And he doesn't, it causes him to have a narrow view of rotations and a narrow view of um, just how to run the offense and the defense. Like he's not running anything is my point. Like, yeah. Running with, with large, large air quotes. (laughs) I, I can't believe what I just watched tonight. Obi played. Obi played nineteen minutes. Guess how many shots he took? One. He a took one shot. Jack him up three shot. at the end. Yeah. He he didn't use he used him as like to start. This the is year. real quick, real quick, real quick. This is this is the other mini rant. You just reminded me. I just want to get this off before I forget. Like, and it probably has to do with what you're going to say anyway. So like, this is where the lack of leash early in the season hurts you because all of a sudden Obi's. Obi's afraid to do anything other than like the few scripted Obi things that he always gets to do, like alley oops on the rare place he gets to roll, alley oops on the rare baseline cuts, but here, here's and the thing. corner it's, it's threes. Not, it's not just Obi though. Like you could no. walk, the only time like you knew I could you could see the difference in quickly in the fourth quarter and the third quarter and the and the second quarter. Yeah, we saw we saw you, this you when, he, when he had the uh, when he was starting for for like a hot game and a half or whatever, and and he was like man. he was yeah. doing more like quote unquote type like point guard shit like like more dribbling yeah. in the paint and all that. Like now he's just like oh like I'm in here to shoot. We got it. We need energy. I'm gonna shoot. No, so like let me fucking shoot. To shoot today. I don't. He didn't even want to like look at his shots before the fourth quarter. Look at look at the shots he took. I'm pretty sure he was 0-5 before the fourth quarter. Like he literally did not want to shoot the ball. I mean, he took a shot at the end of the third quarter because it was like the end of the third quarter. He didn't take that shot because he wanted it. He took it because he's like, all right, I'm the point guard. Last shot of the quarter. I got to take it. Like he. He's not like why and why would he play with confidence? Why would he play with confidence after you have done everything possible to take it away from him? Because you did not, you would not start him when both of your starting point guards were out. You had to start Alec Burks. Then you had the fucking audacity to start Deuce McBride over him, who now, by the way, can't play anymore. Not allowed to play. Um, like. Yeah, like I just and then his lead, like the last game he got nine minutes. Oh, you're struggling. Well, that's it. That you you're not allowed to play yourself out of it. Alec Burks, this motherfucker can chuck up you know air balls that are four feet short of the goddamn rim, but he can keep chucking away and that's fine. But no, Emmanuel quickly, you got a short leash. Like it's bullshit. He's coaching. Like, it's very it's, right it's very outdated type of coaching. Like it, it's it's like just it, I was just struck by the difference between the two teams in so many ways from a coaching perspective. Like, but like the the Pelicans are obviously a very flawed team. They have two very good players at the top of the team right now, Brandon and Jonas. But like after that, it's you know. Some nice guys and some inconsistent guys and some guys who are good at stuff and bad at other stuff, whatever. So it's not that different than the Knicks, but like they're willing to just get their energy from so many different places. That, that, and- that is that is what drives me nuts. Like I mm-hmm. could not believe what like Tibbs would never let my son Jose Alvarado cook. <laughs> It's Shout out Jose. No, he, no, he would. He would because he can dribble penetrate. So he definitely would. <laughs> That's true. Um, He's like a classic early 2000s yeah. Tibbs guy. <laughs> no, like, did, what drives me absolutely banana. Like, RJ, I thought RJ played really well. I don't like, not a great game, not amazing. No, no, no. I thought, I thought he played. Well, he played he, well. he was, him and Mitch were the only guys I wasn't yeah, like. They were the only yeah. two guys that, that played well. And I thought, you know what, Julius, terrible shooting night. Don't get me wrong. Terrible shooting night. 
he, I thought when he has to find a way to get himself involved. Okay, that's one hundred percent true, and he's got to get himself out of this mental rut, whatever he's in. But when in the first half when they got him involved in terms of okay, Kemba bends the defense a little bit, gives it to Julius, and then he finds Mitch, or he kicks it out to shooters. I thought he did that well. Not that he didn't play a great game. I, I would never say that he played a great game. But I didn't. I thought he was willing to play a subsidiary game. Um, and my issue was that third quarter, okay, they come out flat. It's fine. It happens On both ends. That's the other the issue I had with you. Like, he... He was doing his his help de- his quote unquote help defense where he just fucking floats away from the three point line and like stands near the paint but doesn't do anything and then they kick it to the corner and he's just like it's, oh it's, shit I call that I call that LeBron defense but like the <laughs> thing is LeBron can do that because he's always good on offense so right. you can just live with that like right. like that's the reality if if Julius was playing exactly how he did last year on offense. I guarantee you we would all oh, be looking yeah. at his defense and we'd just be like, oh, you know, he's just saving himself for offense, guys. Like, you know, you got to live with that. But he's not. And so it becomes even more of a glaring issue. But my point is, this game was just crying out. Like, like what the, what really drove me nuts, what absolutely drove <laughs> me crazy in the first half, the Knicks, de- go, they go down 33. I, I missed, like, the whole first quarter, FYI. Okay, well, that's fine. The Knicks were down 10 at the end of the first quarter. That's okay. If you want a summary, that's what happened. They came out flat. They were down <laughs> 10 at the end of the first quarter. They go down 33-20, I think, to start the second at, at a point. But then he calls a timeout. The bench guys come back in. And even though Quickly's not shooting well, and really nobody's shooting well, they just find a way to, like, fight their way back into it. And it gets down to 33-27. They were playing okay? solid defense in the yeah, second quarter. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, they played really solid defense in the second quarter. It gets down to 33-27. I'm going to pull up the play-by-play right now. I'll find the exact score. But what does he do? What is the first thing he does? Oh, Obi, you come out. You're done because you got your token five minutes, and Herb Jones is coming. And I know, look, Herb Jones is a fun player. I like him a lot. He's a good player, a great defender. You, like, I mean, what are you telling Obi? Oh, man, dude. Sorry. Herb Jones is coming in here. Uh, that's a tough matchup for you, son. Uh, you got to come out. Like This is what we a- talked about previously. We're like, oh, Tibbs is just lucky. This front office is lucky that... Well, I shouldn't say this front office because I'm sure they're not pleased with this. But um, no, 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 no I, I'm sorry. I just got to get through this. I got to get through this. Go, go, go. 33-27. 33-27. <laughs> um, so what does he do? Okay. Here's what he does. This is this is what Julius Randle does. Or sorry, this is what oh, he actually subbed out Obi by the way at thirty three twenty four. That's so he brings Randall back in at thirty three twenty four. Knicks cut it to thirty three twenty seven. They cut it to thirty three thirty. Right, thirty three thirty. Okay, great, great play by quickly steals the ball from Ingram, kicks it to Fournier. Fournier passes it to RJ on the on a and he finishes on maybe one of his best layups ever uh in transition gets an and one misses the free throw whatever that pelicans call a timeout okay they call a timeout so what what is what what does tibbs do he out of the timeout he brings kemba back in the knicks eventually get they they they, they get the lead down all the way to one point but by the end of the half they're down four again that is such a stupid substitution it is unreal like it is unbelievable to me that you would make that substitution as a head coach because it's like 
as bad as quickly played, Kemba was terrible the entire game. Like, Kemba Walker, this guy needs to fuck off. He needs to go. He cannot be, like, we can't have a part-time starter who, even when they're part-time, plays like a jackass half the time. Because that third quarter from him is like, you want to bitch about Julius Randle's effort and he his lack of shooting and his hesitancy to shoot and, and you know, he's getting paid and all this whatnot. That's fine. He was terrible, so go for it. Kemba Walker's third quarter is, that was an abomination. That was a fucking absolute disgrace of a quarter for an alleged one. That was a, that's a guy who's what, four-time All-Star? Was an All-NBA player at one point in his career? Was a max guy just two years ago? A legitimate max guy? Not a guy that was like, on a max. He was a legitimate max guy two years ago. Like, worth a max. That was pathetic. He couldn't defend anybody. He couldn't fight over screens. Devontae Graham, his ex-teammate, just probably saw him and literally his mouth started watering because this motherfucker was like, this dude looks like a seven-course meal to me right now. Like, that was atrocious. It was atrocious. It was pathetic. And then he did nothing on offense. He didn't do anything. Like, I don't even know what his body... If he took more than four shots... I'll be amazed. Like, he was so bad tonight. And it, this is my thing. Like, you can be bad on defense. You can you can be food on defense. But you got to make the other guy work if you're Kemba Walker. He didn't make him work. He didn't do anything tonight. He just walked the ball up the floor. Then he'd toss it to Julius. Maybe run a pick and roll first, a token pick and roll. And then we give it to Julius or then give it to our... Like, he didn't do anything. You you have to play. You have to actually try to do things when you're on the court. You have to actually try to bend the defense. Like, if he's going to play like that, then, I mean, you might as well just start Alec Burks a point. I mean, shit. Okay, so Kemba Walker had five... He shot five times tonight. Apparently he had two assists. I don't remember either of them. Um, he was terrible. I just cannot get over that third quarter from him. Like, he just... I mean, you could literally go bucket by bucket. And if you watch the entire possessions, you will find inevitably somewhere in that chain, usually as the first or second breakdown in that chain, Kemba Walker. And then the other thing is, he like he, you don't feel him. He doesn't make guys feel him on defense, which I understand because he's a little guy. But like Alvarado's a little guy. So you can do it if you're a little guy. But if you can't do it, then you better fucking do something on offense. And he did absolutely nothing tonight. He was a joke. Uh, he was terrible. I, I, I'm sorry. Like, I, I just, I, I want, it, I want this dude off the team. I want him off the team because apparently, if you don't start him, it's a big fucking crisis, and everybody in the city of New York is gonna cry about it because he is from the Bronx. Like, I don't give a shit where he's from. He could have been born, you know, fucking the Statue of Liberty could have given him birth, and I wouldn't give a fuck. Like, I am so sick of watching this guy. Only the only time he's good is if he's scoring, and if he's not scoring. He is a worthless player. He sucks. He's terrible. He has no ability to play point guard. He didn't like this is my this is this is my fundamental issue. Quickly might not be a natural point guard. He's not a natural point guard. Let's just say that. He's not a natural point guard, whatever that means. But he's not a natural point guard. I promise you, Quickly does a better job of getting Julius the ball in advantageous positions than Kemba does. And that's not because Quickly is some advanced playmaker or something. It's just that he is better at it. Kemba did nothing to set these guys up today. Like, RJ had to create all of his own shots. He had to create all of his own offense. Randall has to create all of his own offense. Fournier basically created all of his own offense. He was not good tonight either, by the way. He was terrible. Um, like, you like, what is the point of him then? If he can't, if he's not going to score consistently, if he's not going to play make, if he's never going to play defense, because he can't, what is the point of Kemba Walker and what value does he get? To me, 
The answer, as it has been all year, is he adds absolutely nothing. He is a terrible player for this for this team specifically, I want to say. For this team specifically, he is an awful player. I think he completely destabilizes the team when he's in there because of what it requires for him to be effective. And also because Tibbs has openly said he views him as a starter, so he's not going to bring him off the bench. So if you're not going to bring him off the bench, he has to start. And if he starts... How much evidence do we need that that lineup fundamentally does not work? So if you're going to start him, then you need to switch up other things in that lineup. I don't. Fournier maybe needs to go to the bench. Or I, I don't know what it is. But if you have to start doing that many things just to try to salvage a starting lineup, then just move the guy. Like, move him. And if you want to say, well, why not move Randall? Fucking move Randall, too. I don't care. I don't care. This team is infuriating to watch. The low-energy bullshit fucking wild swings like a goddamn fucking pendulum like i it is one of the most infuriate like i just I, you knew as soon as that third quarter started they had no in, that it was not happening you knew it and it was pathetic to watch and kemba walker you know as every bit ashamed as randall should be of his performance and i kemba should be just as ashamed he was terrible and he did probably less than nothing to try to even get into the game other than um i don't know there was that one time he drove and drew a foul and he probably should have gotten free throws out of it. Like, you know, I don't, I, I just can't, I can't do it anymore. I can't, I can't pretend that any part of this is okay. Um, so you want to trade Julius, go for it. If you want to trade Kemba, go for it. I don't care, but we need to get rid of some of these guys. And Burks has to go. I don't care. I love Burks. I like him a lot. He's got to go because Tibbs's fucking, you know, drug addiction to him is so strong that he can't wean himself off it. And probably Taj too at this point, because I I couldn't believe it in that in that third quarter those were his first two subs, um, just a pathetic performance from the team, and they took their cues from the coach, who you know I mean just an all around lifeless effort. Even the fucking broadcast was lifeless tonight. You know Kenny and Clyde were at one point in the third quarter. Clyde said something about like early in the third quarter, like oh man the Knicks did all that work and they're still down ten. I'm like what work did they do? Fucking walk, like walk from each basket to the other. I don't know, man. I I was so disgusted by that. And for that to be their response after this horrific loss they had against Minnesota where they could feel right, rightfully aggrieved uh, about the officiating. And then on top of that, you have at the end of the fucking sec- or first, qu- or first half where there's that entire sequence where they did get you know a few shitty whistles. Julius gets fucking slapped upside the head, doesn't get a call. Uh, Kemba gets elbowed in the face on a drive, but Ingram doesn't get a call. They both pick up technicals, and you know you expect you expect to see some kind of like fiery response from those two guys. The Knicks got thirty six free throws. Like, there's no, there's no, no bitching about. I'm not bitching yeah. about the. I'm no, not no, 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 no. I mean them. Like, yes, oh, you yeah. got hurt a couple times and they didn't call it, but like, and you can be and get mad about that. But then, res- like, you have to respond. Then you can't like right. Like they didn't. They just came out there and it was like. You know, and the most like I feel I felt so bad watching RJ and Mitch in that lineup because it was like if somebody shot an air ball, Mitch would get an offensive rebound and maybe put it back. And RJ would like he was the only one that like seemed actively trying to get something going. And it wasn't always pretty, it wasn't always perfect, but I mean he 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 got completely fucked tonight by the rest of his teammates in that starting lineup other than Mitch who was excellent
Our house is a mess. Come on in. I'm Amber Wallen, internet comedian, plant queen, and host of your new favorite podcast, Fly on the Wild. Okay, that's pretty presumptuous to assume that this is going to be their favorite podcast, by the way. Like, come on, Amber. Anyway, that wasp that you just heard interrupt me is my husband. And co-host, Benjamin Wallen, also a comedian, and I host people at our home. I have a great wine collection in my cellar. Well, you it's mean cellar. the mini fridge. It's a mini fridge. It's a mini fridge. Yeah. New episodes of Fly on the Wallen drop every Wednesday. Listen in as we discuss relationships, books, and keeping our sweet baby kid alive while we make laughs on the internet. Subscribe to Fly on the Wallen wherever you get your podcasts.